Hello, and welcome to episode six of The Accidental Curator. My name is George Bathgate, and it's Monday, April the 19th, and I'm coming to you today from my home office in Kitsilano, Vancouver. Today's episode is an interview with well-known contemporary impressionist painter and curator, Terrell Welch. We had our interview several days ago via Zoom, and due to the ongoing pandemic-related travel restrictions, Terrell was at her gallery on Maine, and I was here in Kitsilano. I think it's a great interview, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. Uh, Terrell and I did experience a few connectivity issues, though, uh, technical difficulties, as they say, which has kept me in my GarageBand editing booth a bit longer than usual. I think you'll enjoy the result, so please take a little time and have a listen. For today's interview, I have the internationally acclaimed artist, impressionist painter, Terrell Welch, who is currently on the other end of this Zoom link on Main Island. So without further ado, hi, Terrell. Hi, George, and I'm <laughs> pleased to be visiting with you. Yeah, this is great. I mean, uh, I haven't seen you face-to-face for quite some time because I've been restricted to my spending time on Main Island because of the pandemic, but uh, looking forward to that all changing soon. How are things over on Main today? Well, we have warm, sunny weather. Um, and as I was walking to the gallery, you could smell the fresh sea air. And so right. it's really, really nice right now. <laughs> nice. And are you at your home office or are you at the studio, your gallery? I'm at the gallery, actually. Okay. Yes. Good. Surrounded by lovely paintings and a lot of great natural light, as I remember in your, in your yes. yeah, yeah, you're you're quite you're quite lucky. I mean, that's a that's a beautiful spot. I know that you've uh, situated yourself in the what's the building called again? It's the it's called the Root Cellar. Yeah, the Root Cellar, of course. With right the cellar spelled S E L L E R. Oh, okay. So yeah, clever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's had that name for a very, very long time, way back, yes. I think, when it was a tea house at one time. So it's right in the core center of Maine Island. You're right in the heart, right in the joint. Right in the heart of, of Miners Bay. Yeah. Yes. I consider my little gallery to be uptown because it's sort of yes. up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I did mention uh, in the intro that the pandemic has had a, a pretty big impact on a lot of my activities, including, you know, having to keep my little business shut down, my gallery cafe. I know that you've been quite prolific in the prep in the past year and have managed to stay, you know, to a large extent, you're keeping the gallery up and running. Can, can you let us know how this whole change of affairs has impacted you? Well, it was a huge shift and pivot. I would say that the walk-in visitors to the gallery is about 80% less than usual over the last year. Yeah, of course. Fortunately, we, uh, the gallery was really well established online and we had all our social media running, all of our online access to the gallery. I did every second week newsletters were already in place. 
So even with all of those changes, our revenue for the year was up 40% over the previous year, which was totally unexpected. Like I just couldn't have guessed that that would have been the result. And, because, and so were the expenses up because we had to do a, another online platform just for the gallery, which is right. artsy. Yeah. And, um, and the effort because uh, you're learning as fast as you can and it's taking a lot more time actually being online. So yeah. that's, you know, just, you know, visiting, putting up posts, following up on everything. Um, and then sometimes I had to, if the paintings were large, I had to go to um, Sydney to ship them, yep. which was an extra stress just because of the pandemic. Yeah. So we've done we've done okay. We're we're very very fortunate. Um, our artists have kept painting, and I painted more than I did the year before as well. And uh, we've been able to sort of connect with each other and offer inspiration, um, and kind of um, keep our keep our mojo going. You know, yes. and it, which isn't always easy when you're dealing with mm -hmm. um, something that's you know, so unusual and, and we don't really know where it's going to take us. No, it's the uncertainty of everything that has yeah. left a lot of us, uh, you know, wrestling with uh, our own emotional issues too. It's been a very emotional year for a lot of people. And I'm just speaking of those of us who have been lucky enough not to have lost loved ones and stuff like that. So yes. you know, sh yeah. but shifting our businesses can be stressful. And uh, it seems like you've done a great job. Obviously, if revenues are up and you're you have a great ability to learn, it seems to me. You know, you can you can embrace new things. And I've always noticed you have such great energy. Um, it seems to me that you've got this great positive approach to everything that life seems to throw your way. Has it been challenging to stay motivated? Have, have you found that to be, you know, emotionally difficult? Or do you just dive into your stuff? Um. I think I just dive into my stuff, right? Mm. But it's not without what I guess what is the invisible part is when you hit when I hit absolutely total overwhelm and I just go to bed with a book, right? Like sounds, nobody sees like that, right? Like the, <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely invisible. Or I head out for a long walk and go have a cry with the trees. Like people don't yeah. see that part of what's going on. Um, so it's not like it has no impact, but I think for me, it's the, um, it's not living there in that moment of, overwhelm or anxiety or frustration and just saying okay this how I've got some time for this and really kind of embracing that piece sure. and then moving on to what's working what what can I do where where have I got room to move and I my life has probably led me to that as a practice mm -hmm. and I think by nature I'm you know just by personality I'm I'm someone that looks for what is working so yeah so Good. not but you don't you nobody gets out of this without some impact there's no way around that well i look to you for guidance because i i wrestle sometimes with my own emotional states and uh i find i've got my little toolbox of things i can do to yeah. overcome stuff you know but uh yeah you're, you're an inspiration you really are um hey for our listeners that 
might be unfamiliar with your story, uh, can you kind of bring us up to speed? Can you talk about your, your personal journey uh, that will help put your life and your art into context for our listeners? Where did you spend your early formative years? What, what was that like? Well, I grew up so rural that most people consider it isolated. So my father was a logger and we traveled from one logging camp to mm -hmm. another, mostly around the Caribou area when I mm -hmm. was quite young. And then eventually when I was ready to start grade one, I kind of missed kindergarten, but I don't think that was uncommon back then. I think that was, uh, kindergarten was a new thing. Yeah. And so they... Um, they had bought a ranch and so that was going to be the stable place we were in the little cabin which would now be called a tiny home because it was on skids it would get pulled up on the back of a low bed and drug from one logging camp to another wow. would be taken was taken to this ranch and that's that was still our home so it kind of became permanent in that one right. place but i was still 21 miles from horsefly to go to school, which is outside of uh, Wayne's Lake. We were 80 miles from Wayne's Lake to, to town. And we went to town once a month to buy groceries and pick up our library books from the post office okay. because we had an order catalog and we put in our new order. And um, so I had younger siblings and um, but most of the time I spent uh, was with nature was with trees you know I was out building little buildings little log cabins underneath the trees and and um and I had lots of art supplies um we had like rolls of newsprint that an uncle would send up off of the um paper mill like they were mm -hmm. just the the ends that they couldn't use to make newspapers mm -hmm. and so we had those and you just took the scissors and you crunched off like a big chunk of it and uh and it was seemed like it was never ending of course because they were these great big rolls and yeah. then we had uh tempura paints that mom would mix up for us and crayons and and all the good stuff like to glue which was sometimes made out of flour and water if we ran out of anything else and so that was kind of my my childhood it was um it, it the, in grade two, I took correspondence because it was too difficult to get me back and forth to, uh, to school. And uh, you were doing at home learning pretty much. Yeah, for, for grade two. And okay. then by grade three, we had moved into Williams Lake for three years in a subdivision that was still outside of town. And then after that, my mom and dad bought the farm out of Vanderhoof, which is 27 miles. And they're still farming there. That's, really? you know, that yeah. Is. Yeah. So still hale and hearty and running a they, farm. In the middle of their 80s, I think they have 43 calves coming this spring. So oh, just wow. the two of them. That's yeah. Normal. Well, good stuff. <laughs> You come from good genetic makeup then, obviously. I think so. I'm not, I don't work near as hard as they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, so so would you say that's where, uh, like outside of Horsefly, is that where you developed your early passion for art and your creativity? You have to be creative in a rural environment, you know, to make glue out of flour and water. Is that is that where, where it germinated for you? Well, I think so. Like, you know, we had, we had all the tools and we're... 
you know, basically directed to use them, but like not coloring books. It was all, we had to sort of make up our own things about what we wanted to do on that, mm -hmm. on that paper or build with that, you know, with the supplies construction paper that we had. But my art book in, um, in grade two was amazing. I, I haven't seen anything like done quite like that since it was it was very thorough, like it taught, I was only in grade two and I was taught composition, color mixing, all of the values, all of that kind of good stuff when I was so little, right? right. And in this book was um, uh, a reproduction of Van Gogh's uh, wheat fields. Okay. And I looked at that and I knew it was the same one that was on the back of our two room cabin wall that had probably been cut out of a magazine and all right. the corners were torn and everything. And it was kind of put up with thumbtacks and everything. And, and I always loved it. Like it was one of the few things that was on the wall. There wasn't much, right? Like, so it was, you had a lot of time to study of, Van Gogh. And it's a study. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought I want to grow up to be a painter just like that. Right. And so well, it, seems to have worked out. You, you, you owe a lot to that painting or that. I image do. That was on wall. <laughs> hey, speaking of guys like Van Gogh, now you, you mentioned tempura when you started out, like when you're a kid, when did you make the switch to oils? Like when did you start working in oils and stuff like that? I was given them for my birthday in my 14th year of mm. school. <laughs> and, um, and because of the work I was already doing in high school, the teacher of the adult oil painting class invited me into the adult oil painting class. And so that, and Sheila Timmins, who was an Australian abstract expressionist painter, mm -hmm. which I didn't know at the time. It's only in hindsight, I can look at her work and know where she came from. Right. But she taught all the basics, like, you know, and so that's where I learned to, to use oils and, you know, and just kind of continued from there until I was about 19 when I had my son. And we had small, tiny room and you couldn't, in those days, there was no water mixable oils. Everything had solvents and it was too toxic, Very toxic to have in a, in a tiny environment that yeah. you didn't have good ventilation. With so kids. I switched to, yeah, with kids. <laughs> and so I switched to um, watercolors for the next almost 30 years. Okay. So and, acrylics? And then came back. No, watercolors. Oh, I didn't like acrylics. Acrylics were really, they're better now. I use them for painting sketches now. But at the time, they were, they felt really plasticky. And I just didn't like the feel of them right. back then. And yeah. so I, um, I took watercolor painting lessons from Jack Peterson outside of, um, in Prince George. And he was a sheep farmer. And okay. uh, yeah, and he <laughs> would come in and he and, and an artist. It was a really amazing watercolor artist, and so and so he would he would teach these classes and uh, so. And then my last teacher was Glenn Howarth out of, uh, and he was with the Victoria Art College or Vancouver Island Art College okay. at that time, and um, and he was really well known in Eastern Canada. And, uh, and was probably the strongest, most, he was the person I learned the most about how we 
create what we see. Like, right. uh, you know, what are the influences on our visual perception? Yeah. And, and that was and Victoria? That was Victoria? That was in Victoria. Okay. Yeah. And he passed away shortly after we moved to Maine Island 14 years ago. And he was my last teacher. I okay. haven't had a teacher since then. Hey, yeah. I want to I ask you a question right there. Um, speaking of that transition to Maine Island, I it occurred to me a while ago that I, I didn't really know how you guys wound up on Maine. You know, it seems to be a very specific decision that occurs or an event occurs that brings people to an island. What, yeah. Uh, what was that? What was that pivotal moment for you guys that brought you to Maine? Well, we David had a a hundred year old home that we were making into an upstairs downstairs duplex, and so he was doing that while I was working in an executive position in uh, Mission and Abbotsford. And we, so we knew we were going to sell the big house, as we called it. Um, and uh, we could, we were starting to look about where we wanted to live. Okay. And so we would each week, we would each choose, we had a set of criteria and we would each choose 10 places and see how many of them were the same mm-hmm. on the available listings. And th- this house, David found, the, ho- the home we have on Main Island. And he says, Terrell, this doesn't fit all of our criteria, but I really want you to see it. Mm. And so we found our straw bale timber frame home mm. and then learned about Main Island. <laughs> 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 so it wasn't the island that attracted yeah. us, but this really well. special hand sort of, you know, really beautifully built. Our home is like a piece of art like yeah. it's just really well done and it was built by Tracy Calvert who now lives on um, Pender Island okay is that straw bale is that sort of the the type of home that is covered in like a, a mud surface on the outside you got the straw bale in, inside gives you lots of insulation and yeah clay yeah. mud on the outside is that yeah it's got this kind of like special plaster covering um there's okay. an inner layer and then an outer finishing layer okay. and the way ours is built the timber frame is the actual supportive structure and the straw bale is the infill so it would okay. be the part in between so yeah it really keeps the noise mind you there isn't a great deal of noise on the island <laughs> no. anyway <laughs> The sounds of the deers walking around is just too much. Yeah, right. Those fairies. <laughs> the fairies honking at all, you know, all, the, all the time. The crows, the eagles. You know, just <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about your your painting again, bringing it back from uh, this travel log promotional thing we're doing for Maine Island right now. We we don't want the whole world to know about how no, it is. But we do want to, the world to know how great your art is uh, because it is so fabulous. Um, I've always found that your stuff reminds me of the group of seven, you know, your landscapes, your seascapes that you do. Uh, and I know you've been influenced by the impressionists, post-impressionists, Monet, Matisse. Is it fair to call your painting style impressionist and what draws you to this style of painting? Well, I suppose they make a distinction now and call it contemporary impressionist to distinguish it from the French impressionist or American impressionist period. Um, but what it is, is I, and if you remember where I came from in, in that my first relationship and my most lasting relationship is with the landscape. That's where I spend my time. That's where I 
feel most supported. And so it was, it, it was inevitable to me that I would paint landscapes. And I have a fascination and a love for changing light and the movement that comes with the moving light and but also the movement that's in the landscape, be that the sea or the wind or, you know, just that using all of my senses. And the most practice that's most conducive to that is the ones that come to us from the Impressionists. Mm -hmm. It is also the way I was taught to paint without having given it a name, like where you block in the whole, and you work with the whole canvas at once and you block in your shapes and then you add in your details and then you work wet into wet. So the paint isn't dry, you're moving paint around, you're adding paint on top of paint. Mm -hmm. And um, in that process requires one to be really a observant and really embedded into their moment and their subject. Okay. So you've taken your cue from a lot of these traditionalists, um, some of our Canadian impressionists, some European impressionists, post-impressionists. Um, I'm just thinking, I was thinking more recently of the show we did at uh, Shavasana Gallery. And I wanted to ask you a few things about that. We did this great show for you uh, in the summer of 2017. It was a show called West East Coast Canadian Landscapes and Paint. And as I recall, you know, it was a really fun, well-attended opening and we sold some paintings, uh, which in my books is a successful show. You know, anytime we can, uh, you know, it's good for the artist, it's good for the curator. Have you exhibited widely at regional galleries? Have you done anything out of province or country? Um, yes, it's not my primary focus. I've um, exhibited in um, um, a public gallery recently in Williams Lake called the Station House Gallery. And that was a solo juried um, opportunity. Uh, I've shown in the Galliano Library and the Victoria Art uh, Gallery as well as part of their um, group exhibitions. Uh, I've had work that was juried into shows in New York City. Um, then primarily, um, because of where I live, it's not easy to sort of load up a bunch of paintings and trundle them off somewhere and yeah. then and then come back and because of, uh, of the other responsibilities that I have. So primarily I have worked really, really hard to represent the work online as yeah. well as in the physical gallery here. And, and I gonna... choose one or two opportunities a year yes. to do other things. Well, I'm definitely gonna get into the online aspect of your work because I've always been really impressed by that. But I do have a few more um, questions for you more pertaining to locational stuff and whatnot um yeah so yeah going off island for all artists i think is difficult because it just adds cost you may you might need a place to stay you've got to figure out all these logistics you've got to pack things up and go you know it's it's challenging but uh i know that i'm just thinking back to that lovely day we had uh during your exhibit when you went out back behind Shabasana Gallery, and you you did a little plein air painting of Active Pass and Miner's Bay. Now, 
Is that something you love doing? Do you love plein air painting? Is that, uh, how often do you do that? I do it fairly often and I do love it. I do, I just absolutely love the immediacy of it and the challenge, there's, you can't control next to nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're thrown right into the thick of things dealing with, you know, the weather conditions and trying to frame in your subject and all of that kind of thing. And I probably, in an ordinary year, I probably do about 20 planner uh, pieces and they're my sketches. I don't very often do finished work, only a rare occasion, which I think uh, the one I did um, that day is in oils. And so that ends up being a finished work. Often they're smaller than that and they're done in acrylics and they're just quick painting sketches. And so if I'm traveling, then I will do that many in, in, you know, six to 16 weeks, right? Like I will do, I I will do a lot because that's what I, I'm, I have, you get much stronger, um, your memory when it comes to, if you do a painting sketch, than if you just do photographs, something. So it's, yeah. 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 So it's really a useful tool that way. Yeah. I, you know, I do some painting and I'm nowhere near as accomplished as you. It's very hobbyist stuff. And I've never done plein air, but uh, I just love the look. You know, you've got the artist right <laughs> out there and the public can come around and kind of check it out as it's, as it's happening. You know, it's, that is so cool. Um, I'm going to remind, or I'm going to let the audience know, uh, our listeners know that the painting that you did that I'm talking about is called Summer Seas. And it is actually available for sale on Terrell's website on her online gallery at terrellwelchartist.com. So that's just a little plug. Um, for oh, that thank you, George. I should buy it. I mean, why am I encouraging others to buy it? That's, that's, that's my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> the backyard behind Shabazzana Gallery. We, we can make that happen, George. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll take that under consideration, under advisement. Um, speaking of your website, Terrell, I was there several times prior to uh, putting together this interview with you. And I noticed a photo of you on your site, standing in front of a canvas with your brush in hand, the the classic stance in bare feet. And I'm just wondering, is that a typical stance for you? You know, I was thinking you could be, you were talking plein air. Maybe that could be the pied nu, the naked (laughs) bare feet movement. And you could be the vanguard of that. You do that a lot. You do. do you- I do. I do when the when the you know surface um, kind of supports that kind of you know being in in bare feet. I love to paint in bare feet. That there there's just that deeper connection to yeah. everything, right? Like it keeps yeah. you really grounded while you're while you're working, and and there's all sorts of sensory things on the bottoms of our feet that gives us information that we're almost unaware of right like and so it 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 does shift things or change things if you're able to do it you'll see singers do the same thing that they will be in bare feet sometimes um and so it's just um it's not always possible like you have to be safe while you're while you're doing that but if it's possible then i then I think I some do. people refer to it as earthing. I've heard this concept yeah. of earthing, where yeah, just taking yeah. shoes off any chance you get and walking in nature on on the earth. There's a, a lot of good energy there for you too, yeah. creative energy, yeah. calming energy, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, that's good. That's that's cool stuff. So you do that. Obviously not in the winter. You're not doing you're not doing plein air no. in the winter time or anything like that. Not those six chilly months that we have. Um, hey Terrell, within a a couple of months of your show at Shavasana Gallery, you you opened up your own Terrell Welch Gallery uh, just down the hill from where my place is in the heart of the village. And, you know, I'm just thinking, despite the challenges of the past year, have you been happy with that decision? It's not always easy running a gallery, as I've, as I've discovered, especially during a pandemic. <laughs> but uh, as, as, um, has the gallery impacted your ability to create and to flourish? It, it, it's impacted it in a good way. Because you're, you're always getting um, kind of reinforcement and feedback around what you're doing when you're meeting with people to see your art yep. in person. Like, so there's this constant kind of information that you wouldn't get any other way. I, I mean, I do, I do get a lot of feedback online, but there's nothing quite like watching somebody's face before they know that you see them and watching the expressions go across their face when they're looking at your work. You can't get that experience any other, other way. Yeah. It is demanding, um, but I, I actually really love it. And I make it work for me. So I'm not open, um, you know, year round with walk-in hours. I have set hours even without a pandemic that are, um, you know, three and four days a week. I don't try to do, you know, seven days a week or anything like that. And so it works really well for me. Um, it, there, it does keep me organized as well, you know, because mm -hmm. you can paint and paint and not get work in the inventory and not get it, you know, finished and all of that kind of good stuff. And when you've got shows, ongoing shows coming up, you have to keep that, you know, your, all your yeah. work organized as you go. Absolutely. Now, you've also expanded. Um, you started out with the one room and now you've got two. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Well, that's great. So it must be working well enough to expand. And I think that's that's been good for other artists. I think you've you've also opened up a room to include other artists on the island. What what prompted that decision, and how how's that whole thing working out? You've ex your expansion. Um, what I did with the second room, which was uh, that was a really tough decision because I had decided to do that in January, and then by March we were hit with the pandemic, and I was still having to do the renovations for that, and I just decided to kind of grit my teeth and shrug and go ahead and do it. And I am so glad that I did. Uh, having the other artists who are all former students who I know really, really well and whose work I have absolute full confidence in um, has made it so that we have the synergy of the four of us ongoing right. in, in the work that we're doing. And it offers sort of just that additional um, spark for the island where I could have filled that room easily with just my own work, but it wouldn't have been nearly as much fun. Okay, I have another question for you. Uh, and pretty much, pretty much it's just about 
again, referring back to some of our life's challenges and obstacles, have you had any periods in your life um, where you've had great self-doubt or any situations that made you seriously consider packing up the canvases and paints? Oh, Jerry, I think I have those every time I finish a painting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's well, then just... keep them going because it's working yeah. for you. Keep those obstacles and pains coming and going. Uh, yes, we all it's, have they're them. not any I don't think any I mean I, when I was with teaching painting I would talk about how that was just a natural part of the process and you need to learn to live with it yes right it's not going to go away no no obviously mm -hmm. not yeah it's life so life always throws us a few curveballs um at the beginning of the podcast I refer to you as an internationally acclaimed artist and I know that's true, but uh, for those listeners who might be unfamiliar with your successes and the popularity of your art, can you elaborate on this a little? Um, I think it's relatively easy to become an internationally collected artist these days just because of our global reach. It's different than it was even 15 years ago. We have more capacity to find the people who love our work from farther afield, right? And yeah. so um, when I started in 2010, I deliberately started um, by presenting the work internationally. We only have like, you know, less than 1500 people on our little island. Right. And so, I'm going to paint more paintings than I can find homes for locally. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that going into this. Absolutely. And I, um, so works have ended up in Switzerland and France and Norway and uh, all over the United States, all yeah. across Canada. And so it's, um, yeah. And so it, I don't know what internationally acclaimed really means well, anymore. Like it's, it's, it's kind one of those of phrases like... that sort of <laughs> it lingers, but uh, I, I think it's a nice little term. I mean, it's okay if somebody. Else I'm not. Does. I'm not internationally acclaimed, but uh, it. Yeah, it's it's one of those little monikers. I think it's it's not a bad thing. It's kind of we can play with that a little bit. But yeah. you also have your stuff yeah. in some notable collections. I know you've got some of your. Uh, working with uh, Canadian heavyweights such as Emily Carr, A.Y. Jackson, and Lauren Harris. Um, are those private or public collections? I mean, that's that's pretty cool. You know, someone that would have a, a Lauren Harris yeah. in the world. To be, there's her, her or his uh, Terrell Welch <laughs> piece of art right next door. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, that is a, those are in private collections. It's an, it's an absolutely fascinating story where um, the collectors had me bring the, I had a three foot square painting and they had me bring it over and they'd let me know that, you know, he said, well, I think you'll be pleased with the company your art is going to be keeping. And I thought, oh, well, they're art collectors. And I never thought any more of it. And I got, I got there and um, there was two dogs jumping all over everything and they're trying to gather up these dogs and get them into another room. And I'm nervous. I've never met these people before, right? So I've got this 
big painting all boxed up and wrapped up in everything. And uh, there's all this commotion going on. And he says, oh, he says, well, let's bring it in here. Let's bring it into the living room and we'll take it out and let's have a look at it. So he's unwrapping the painting and holds it up and he says, yes, he says, it's just how I remembered it. He says, let's set it over here. And he walks across the living room and sets down the painting. And then he stands back and he says, and you'll probably recognize this artist. And it was a huge Emily Carr oil painting. It was that my painting was sitting below. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't hear another thing he said for the next <laughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> and, and they also had like all the other historic Canadian landscape painters as well. And now they have two of my works in their collection. So it, it is a real honor and, um, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun story and it's a fun thing a to fun have story. here. I mean, great. Right yeah. Well, I, I'm impressed. I, I, I like that kind of story. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you've had that experience. I mean, that's so cool. Um, you've also kind of achieved a milestone of being able to say that you have collectors rather than just purchasers, which I think is also a nice indicator of your, of your success. That's true, right? It's uh, you people are collectors. I'd, most definitely. I have people that started collecting my work in the 90s during my solo shows that are then that were in Prince George and they're still collecting my okay. work. So I have people that have like nine, you know, or so pieces of my original oil paintings and Fabulous. five and four and yes, lots of people with three. And so, and they're genuinely, they're looking for their next piece. Right, like so they'll come on sit here. Like I've I've moved things around. I've got a bit more room, you know. Wow. <laughs> they're they're in anticipation of, of what you're doing. That's yeah, fabulous. It's not unusual for people to watch. Like the fans to, that haven't bought their first piece yet to look for like a year and a half, two years, and wait for their painting to come off my easel. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes I know they're out there and other times I don't know till they find it and then, mm -hmm. they'll, then they'll tell me their story. But, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Hey, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the, the other artists on Maine Island that you've offered courses to, you've, you've done some, some classes locally and stuff like that. Do you, do you think of offering more classes within your busy, busy schedule? Is that going to be something you're continuing with? Not at this time. When I, I overlapped for a year teaching and doing the gallery at the same time and doing my own painting practice and something had to give in, in order to make it all work. And so I chose to keep the gallery and keep my painting practice and let go of the teaching. There's lots of great teachers out there. And so... I, um, I had been teaching both in-person classes here on Main Island, plus offering them online as master oil painting classes. Right. And so it just, I just decided, I just put it all on hold. It's all tucked away, hidden from the world yeah. until sometime maybe it becomes important to pick up yeah. again. Well, you've got a lot on your plate. I mean, I'm sure your day is full and your life is busy. I know it is. So it's just great that you're able to, you know, help launch some of the artistic careers of a few of the local artists who have also shown with me. I know a few of them, uh, Glenda, Jody, and yeah. 
Um, I've been really impressed with your use of social media. I, I, I alluded to that earlier. Social media and technology to reach um, a wider audience, stay connected with your collectors. And I want to talk about that for a little bit, just because I, sure. I think you're so good at it. And I know so many people are reluctant or afraid of this, embracing it. So you are like a, uh, a model for what I think an artist should do if they want to be successful or a curator for that matter. Um, let's start with your website, terrellwelchartist.com. It's gorgeous. And did, did you design this or did you hire it out? What, what program are you using? I'm using WordPress and yes, yeah. I designed it using one of the templates that they offer. Uh, I had started with my blog, so I have snippets of time that I work on these things. And so I need to be able to do it quickly. And um, so it made sense to me to design my own website and make it work the way I wanted it to work, to show okay. things the way I wanted them. Yeah, I love I love WordPress. I've got a couple of websites myself using that. And it, it actually is quite intuitive. You just dive in and yeah. plug and play and... You need a bit of text, you need some images. And uh, I, I love it. I really do. And it's great for blogging. It's great for, you know, it archives your stuff, stuff quite naturally. Um, it also seems to me that you've quite cleverly linked several art-related websites and programs to your own site, which um, it gives it a really sophisticated look and feel. I, yeah, I, I'm quite impressed with your site. Uh, as well as your own online gallery, you're linked to something called artsy.net. You alluded to that earlier as well. What does that do for you? What does artsy, how does that help you out? Artsy is um, specifically for galleries mm -hmm. and uh, in, it's by invita invitation only. It's really? In the inter oh yeah. Oh. And so you have to be invited to be partner with them. They're one of the largest of the, uh, they're kind of like the Google of art, right? Okay. Like they're one of the largest online platforms for art in the world. Um, and so it's, I, I was quite thrilled to um, have an opportunity to take our little small main island gallery <laughs> to the big leagues yeah, that's great. <laughs> online. And um, it, it shows the work beautifully, the, their audience, which is, I, I don't remember how large, it's huge, huge, mm. is serious art collectors and, you know, serious fans of art. And so you're, you're like, when you're using other platforms, you're kind of sifting through general interests as well as people that are interested in art. So when your artwork is shown there, the audience that sees it are already interested in purchasing art. So it's an excellent place to do that. And what it allowed me to do, which I couldn't do elsewhere was to effectively show the work of other artists. So I now have artists that I show that are, go beyond Main Island that are online exclusive shows. Um, and I will continue to do that for landscape paintings Great. and be able to um, represent them really nicely there. Mm. Yeah. There's another one called Artwork Archive that you've attached to your site. How does, how does that one help you out? 
That's the one I, um, I, I use for my inventory. I lost a hard drive and lost all of my um, inventory records at one point. It was a disaster. That's painful. And, uh, and uh, I thought, I'm never doing this again. So I went looking and searching for an online inventory program and came across Artwork Archives, which was just in beta. And um, they are absolutely amazing. And they're really reasonable. I've, every artist should do their inventory that way yeah. just because it's got on the back end side, which you don't see when you look at the profile on the front that shows the work like, you know, like really well. But in the back end, you've got all your inventory records. You've got your ability to invoice. You've got... Um, you can do all your wall labels, you can do all your consignment lists, everything is just super, super easy. And I wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. Like there's just no way it would be way too labor intensive. So I would highly recommend that people check it out if they've got more than 50, 50 pieces of work they're trying to keep track of. You know, it just, yeah, it's a it's bit amazing. of advice, you know. I hope people, you know, I hope curators and artists are listening to this because you give such great advice because you've had the experience of doing this and you, you know, there's, there's one of those life's difficulties that I was talking about earlier and you've overcome it. You, you've kind of looked at it, you've embraced it and you've moved forward and you've corrected. So that's, uh, that's really important stuff. I mean, it's, it's important for all of us to have that ability to learn from our mistakes, learn from the mistakes of the world, what the world gives us and to correct it, you know, and, and move forward. So, um, yeah, I'm just thinking of other, other sites that you have used or you're using currently. And the one that you showed me recently that I really liked, it's, uh, it's the one that allows you to visually, uh, it enables you to put your art on the walls of sort of high-end homes. And it just looks so seamless and lovely. Can you talk about that one? It's called canvi.com and it's absolutely an amazing program. What it does is it allows you to solve the problem of the context or the scale of a piece of work um, and be able to show it to the viewer with, you know, because it's hard to tell whether something is 16 by 20 or 30 by 40 when you're just mm -hmm. looking at the image you can read that but you're you know just your brain has a hard time figuring out exactly what size it is and i just love it i use cool. it i use it a lot i use it for it every looks, piece it's, of work, it's new work I mean, that's going up on when the I first saw when i first saw your your paintings on the wall you know and they are in the walls of home so why not exhibit them as they would finally show up you know it's a it's appealing so that's great. I think that's a good bit of information for artists and curators as well. Uh, you also have a site called Redbubble. You're doing some merchandising through Redbubble. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I've had them for years and years and years as well. Um, and so they do reproductions. So they'll right. do um, reproductive prints on various surfaces, um, you know, greeting cards, handbags, like all sorts of cushion covers, the whole bit. And um, they started out in Australia. I don't know mm -hmm. who owns the company anymore. Um, and they will print as close to the where the purchaser is as they can get so they have different people that 
you know, companies that then actually produce the work. Okay. And, um, and I get a margin of everything that's sold and I set that margin. It's not set by them sure. on, on what that's going to be. So pieces get sold all over, all over the place, like, you know, all over Europe, all over that's North cool. America. I mean, it's it's yeah. an additional little income stream, passive income. Uh, probably the, you probably don't have yeah. to do too much. I, they take care of it. They, I'm assuming they, populate all the all those products with your the imagery of your art and then cut you some some percentage of the profit right they yeah and you have to set each one up like it's a bit of work yeah. but once it's done it's done right and, and then you don't you don't have to do anything they the money just comes at on the 15th of every month into my paypal account and i'm I, i'm finished if you want to do really, really well with it, you have to spend more time marketing it than I do. I'm in the, in the business of selling original paintings and that's just kind of there on the side, on the side. and it's a nice value added, but it's not where I Absolutely. focus my energy. Absolutely. I have one more little tech question for you. Um, I noticed on your website, you've got a, a coffee, a lovely coffee table book of your paintings called As We Breathe, which seems to be available uh, through, for purchase through a site called Blurb. Can you talk about that? Do they do the on-demand printing and distribution or do you take, do you handle that? Yeah, just no, just like, um, just like the uh, Redbubble, yeah. they did, they, you can just order directly from them and they will ship it from you to you. And then the, the margin, which is usually with them, it's a very small margin because they're because they're print on demand. They're quite expensive in comparison to if you produced a whole bunch of books for for something. So they're a novelty thing to be able to have to have yeah. those, and um, and they also have um, uh, an online version as well of them of the book, which is you know much more reasonable to you know, to pick up than if you want a hard copy. Cool. Well, you're covering all the bases. Again, I'm impressed. What can I say? And I, I imagine our listeners will be too. Uh, I'm sure most artists who are so focused on their creativity, their painting, their sculpture, whatever it is they're doing, that they have a difficult time wearing the two hats. And you seem to have transitioned nicely to wearing your creative hat and your your online tech hat. And I'm, I hope to take a a page from your book, so to speak. You know, it's uh, it's quite uh, nice to hear all of this. Um, now, I just want to talk about you and how you've been an inspiration to other artists and curators. You know, beyond the tech, there's the, the creativity, just your whole path in, in art. Uh, is there any advice you could give to those that are starting out? Um, don't give up. Like just Good. stay with it. And if something doesn't work, try something else. Like mm -hmm. I think that that's the, the big thing is um, not to take yourself too seriously in that, you know, you invest in thing and you figure it out and you think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, if it's not working, let it go and go on to something that's going to, you know, try something new. 
Right. And you're always going to be just a little bit outside your comfort level. Always mm-hmm. go just like not, you don't have to leap off the bridge without, you know, a life jacket on. You can, you can just sort of like, just take yourself that next level beyond what you already know. Challenge and, yourself a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's okay to get, you know, <laughs> you know, knots in your stomach every once in a while and, and shake a bit. And just yeah. sort of say, all right, all right, let's do it, let's do it. Yeah. And um, and I think that's the place. And remember to have people in your life that are way smarter than you in other areas and in in other things that that they do. That I think is crucial. Right. You never know when one of those like one of those um, people are going to spark an idea that you can borrow. And uh, and and I. Uh, I, I think those are the, the things that keep us all excited about getting out of bed in the morning and, mm-hmm. and doing, you know, interesting, Very you know, nice interesting things <laughs> is when you, when you can't quite, you haven't quite got it all figured out, right? Like you, I you never will. To, yeah. I can't even imagine having it all figured out. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm so far from that. I'm, I ask, I, I ask others like, what I should be doing. It's uh, yeah. 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 Um, hey, Terrell, it looks like we are approaching the end of our, our little Zoom get together. Um, yeah, I think I'm kind of running out of my time frame with these guys right now, too. Uh, but before we sign off, I do want to uh, let our listeners know which would be the best way to, to see you, to see what you're up to, and to keep in touch. How, how can they best do that? The best way to stay in touch is the newsletter, which is a brush with life. And if you put a brush with life, Terrell Welch into the search engine, you'll find it. It's also a link is on the website, which is terrellwelchartist.com. You can always find me just by my name on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Like, yeah, I'm on any of those places. And you can ask me questions in the messenger capacities of, of, any of those platforms. And so anytime you pop my name into a search engine, you'll, you'll find me. Yep. As long as you remember that if there's got two R's and two L's in Terrell, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so big hug to you. Yes. Big, and big thank to your you, husband, George. Dave. Please say hi to Dave yeah. for me as well. I always Will love it do. when he comes around. <clears throat> I always love it when he comes around for a coffee at my shop. That's a, uh, we have a little catch up together sometimes too. And I'll see you in the village next time. I'm All right. right. Sounds I'll, good. I'll, I'll, I'll pop down the hill and say hi. How about that? Sounds good. Okay. You stay well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, George. Take Bye. care. Okay, listeners. Uh, that's a wrap for episode six, my interview with Tara Welch. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, my name again is George Bathgate. And this is The Accidental Curator. I'll be starting work on episode seven soon. Um, I'm not really adhering to my original two to three week uh, schedule. It's it's a bit sporadic, but uh, I hope to get the next episode out uh, sooner because it's going to be a story which I've either pre-written or I'll be writing in the very near future. So that should be on the next couple of weeks. Um, If you're interested in future episodes, you can subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like to leave a comment, uh, that would be great as well. The launch of new episodes will be announced through various social media channels. So until that time, 
please stay safe and stay tuned.